0: In the name of our God, to whom all hearts are open, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Amen. Open Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare
1: your praise. You You do do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it.
2: You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight
1: I confess that I am by nature sinful I am guilty of many sins I am distressed by the sins that trouble me especially my impatience with others and negligence in study and prayer for all this I am sorry I pray for forgiveness have, have mercy on me O God According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion,
2: blot out my transgressions. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me.
0: Jesus says to his people, If you forgive anyone's sins, they their sins are forgiven. His death paid for the guilt of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe. By the authority of Christ. I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a dear child of God and an heir of eternal life. The Lord Lord is is compassionate compassionate and gracious.
2: So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Go in peace. Amen.
3: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Jason back in the podcast studio, finally, uh, after a lengthy absence, um, here with Mike, and Wade, and uh, just heard them model individual confession and absolution for us uh, as we begin, and uh, that is going to be our topic of discussion today. Um, did you want to take time to make fun of me now, or do you want me to keep no, going a little bit? No, I think you did bit? all right oh, so okay. far. Yeah, we all were right. on,
1: this is in the Wisconsin Synod's new hymnal, uh, still called Christian Worship, yes?
3: Still called Christian the Worship. Blue
1: hymnal, page 282 if I recall correctly, and we're going to be talking today about absolution. Absolution in general, what is absolution? Um, our confessions uh, sometimes uh, call it a third sacrament. Um, Certainly a means of grace. A means of grace, and really what what rests behind all gospel preaching, the absolution, um, but also talk a little bit about individual confession and absolution. We wanted to model it there a little bit at the beginning because i'm guessing that the majority of our listeners um, since it's not practiced as often in the church today unfortunately have never been to individual confession and absolution and probably many pastors have absolved people individually um, but that's probably come out of situations where someone's come for counseling or something else and not necessarily using the right that we find um, in the hymnal and so we will be um, discussing absolution as a whole, what does it mean, um, what's its history in the church, what is the value of it. And so with that in mind, Michael, do you have any thoughts before we talk about the 1517 Podcasting Network?
0: Uh, lots of thoughts, I think, the, but we'll just limit it to one right now. Uh, that That's just one form of it, right? Right. And, and we just wanted you to hear it and maybe take away the fear, right? It's actually pretty easy. Um, It can be even simpler than that to Mm -hmm. come to a pastor and say, this is what's bothering me. And uh, we didn't do this, um, but, you know, after uh, Wade did the generic, what is, generic's not the right word, what was printed and that he said, there's a spot in there to say, is there anything else? And that's what you said, you know, impatience or whatever. A good pastoral care would take some time to say, is there anything else? Yeah. Right? Because sometimes people would come up and they just want to, say something, but have uh, maybe uh, some stage fright about saying or what, nervous. what's Understand actually whatever, give, give time to, to say that. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you talk 1517 then?
1: Yeah, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Um, you can go to 1517.org, find out all sorts of good stuff. Academy courses, books, podcasts, daily blog posts and devotions. So do go ahead and check them out. Um, and Lest we make the intro too long, why don't we go ahead and uh, Mike will read our disclaimer. And I just think it's fair for us also to remind listeners to point out if we did or said anything that upset you while Jason was gone, um, <laughs> we did before he left. We've we've made clear in the past. Jason is now in charge of this podcast. Right. We have said that, Michael. You
0: email him directly. If right. You yeah.
1: So we, we sometimes get emailed like the podcast email or. If you want to really go to the head honcho, <laughs> um, Google Jason's WLC email and just let him have it because quite frankly, some of the stuff we say and we do, it's out of line. Yeah, I, I heard and someone needs to, to be held to account visible, for it and that would be me. Jason.
3: I did hear that you got a bit feisty over my absence. That's what that's what I've heard. Feisty but but substantive. But substantive,
0: yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: With that, why don't you go ahead, Michael, and
0: give us our disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, but does speak for Jason. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us, except Jason. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast... That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
1: And this brings us to our free-for-all, in which we discuss the pressing issues of our day. And as uh, you heard Jason uh, note in his, I would say, very well-done introduction to the episode. Thank you. um, He's been gone a lot. In fact, Jason just came to his office today. Yeah. And found out there's still not an air conditioner in that, which I think is fair, since he's clearly not been... (laughs) using it right um,
3: uh, I, I haven't you're Jason
1: right Jason has had what I what I like to call an enchanted summer right um, just a, a summer of excitement and so I thought maybe Jason could share um, what he's been up to so our listeners I feel they we almost owe it to our listeners to let them know yeah. somewhat of what's been we, we, we bring him on we uh, we make him not only a guest but he's pretty much
0: he's in charge yeah, yeah.
1: he's in charge of the thing <laughs> And then he just disappears. And
0: we will, yep. he, as you find out a little bit, he's been very busy and gone. So we'll probably yes. fill him in on the news of the last month as well. Sure. Okay. Month right. and a half maybe. Yeah.
3: Even. Yeah. 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 I, I lost
0: track.
1: Why don't maybe. we start at the beginning? So you got called to a new position.
3: Got called to a new you position. You put in
1: your first year yep. on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Yep. Um, and then graduation came. At, and then you disappeared.
3: At graduation at the college, your commencement yes. at the college, yes. And yes. then and then from that moment it's been just nonstop stop enchantment. Um first of all, I had a graduation in my household um a couple of days after, so we were working to get ready get ready for that, get the house ready at for that. At which you
1: did have a band playing. We did have
3: a band playing, because yes.
1: Those of you who follow the Let the Bird Flight Facebook page, which I would encourage you to do, <laughs> saw a picture that I found on Facebook. Yes, of Jason. Um, I didn't, in Jason fashion. I, I didn't believe wearing that same shirt. I think even.
3: I might have been. Yeah, rocking out. Yeah, rocking out. Yeah. Although I, I to be fair, I did not post the picture, but uh, it was posted. I might need to make that. The,
1: would that be an inappropriate image for this episode for Absolution? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> he's like holding a. It was a cheap beer too what It was, was
3: a it? cheap beer Yep Yep Alright go ahead Yeah then. So um, you had a graduation Had a graduation party With a party. band With a band Yeah Yep Which was Which, which, which was a lot was of fun that
1: you I can't remember I, I took it from a video I screenshot uh, it screenshotted like a hundred times the, Until I got one that I liked it was,
3: Wasn't it the Was that the Cranberries song I oh, think yeah, it might it was, have been yeah was. I Because I, she
1: threw it to you To sing part Yes, yes. Yep
3: um, so, so that was the first big kickoff to the Enchanted Summer. <laughs> after that, it's we like had happy <laughs> we had one day, and then uh, the day two days after, uh, we transitioned to uh, boarding a plane for Germany, as we had originally planned a trip back in 2020 uh, to lead a group around Germany, Luther sites, Luther lands, um, and then. Go to the Passion Play in Oberammergau, which is um, every ten years, but thanks to COVID, uh, that got postponed and rescheduled to this year. Which Would
1: you say that was the worst thing about COVID, Jason?
3: That it rescheduled our trip? Yeah. Uh, no, there are probably a few other things, okay, but but it did. It was an inconvenience as far as millions this, of people dying. Yeah, trip planning was concerned, but yeah, there were there were worse things than that, um, but which was very enjoyable, um, and uh, we had. A large group. Um, we had three pastors that were involved um, across the, the group there as far as leading it, and it was really enjoyable. I had um, not spent that much time in the southern part of Germany before, so we got to see a bit of that. In addition, the Passion Play, I, I'll i be honest, I was kind of thinking, it's going to be a little bit cheesy. I, I just have, this is, just seems to be like one of those things, it's going to be kind of hokey, and I wasn't, I wasn't, that wasn't on the top of the list for me but i after coming um coming away from it but they really did a nice job with that and the music especially i was i was really impressed with the, Deutsch. all yeah and the entire thing was in german you got a english copy of the script that you could follow along um and you got to know who were the characters and of course you know the story well enough so you can kind of figure that figure out what's going on but this
1: dude I, bragging about his I, knowledge I, of the passion story i, I read the book <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> read the book yeah book it, book is better but uh, uh but that was that was really interesting and then uh we came back from that after 10, they
1: like really crucify a guy
3: well he was up on that cross for a while though they moved that along pretty quickly so okay. I'm, I'm guessing you know they if they leave him up there too long he'd be a problem yeah. but it's um, not the philippines were they no yeah they go yeah all out right over yeah. Like, yeah yep but uh, yeah, it was. It looks it looks pretty real, um, which is pretty amazing since they're doing it live and on, on stage. So that's pretty good. Um, and then um, the from there we had one day um, coming back, had one day to turn around, and then went on. We have a kind of a standing family vacation with my side of the family. so, Go- a va- so you took a
0: vacation from your vacation. right yeah. vacation
3: from the vacation, which was which was good because the the pace of that uh, <laughs> Germany tour was pretty Pretty fast and furious, but uh, we survived. It was a good time um, and then and so
1: the Minnesota I believe Michael was at part, he even helped with the service. Um, we had district convention yeah um, Jason was at a
3: lake, I believe for I that. believe yep, that was when I was in Minnesota, yes
1: um, where yeah. I will note at district convention we're a good friend of the show yeah, and now Jason's pastor. John Bordelon, yes, who was defeated in the first two elections mm-hmm. for district president and G-Tam first M-Z. vice president. <laughs> yep, but we got we got an excellent district president now, mm-hmm. um, and we had he won good, the
0: third election, so he's batting
1: right. So we had, I'm getting to that. So we sure. got a, um, a former seminary professor of ours now who is district president, Dan Lyer, which I'm very excited about. Aaron Steinbrenner from um, Hartford as first vice president. And then John did win round three. He is now a very powerful man.
3: Very powerful.
1: Second vice president of the Southeast mm-hmm. Wisconsin district. Um and so if you see John around, if you are a listener who, who sees John around, um, uh, please do congratulate him. And what's the appropriate like posture to take when you've do you bow? You know, do <laughs> you kiss a ring?
0: No, that's ask so. for a blessing. Yeah, no, that's that's if we do with if we have bishops, but they're decidedly not bishops. The, so just like a firm we don't, handshake, we don't use the word bishop because
1: no. unless you have a vicar.
0: Yeah, that's well, that's The
1: bishop who's not a bishop of the vicar you're, who's you're, not really a vicar.
0: <laughs> you're not you're an elected official. Right. Because we'll we, do you stand we up for him like you stand will, up for president we or governor. We will not. Use churchy words to describe yeah. churchy things. <laughs> right. So, what do you do for John though now? What do but you do? It like you know, the vice president of the United you stand States. Up when he you walks go. In? You go. What is your job? Yeah. You just you're not even here in case someone dies. What What's, are you doing? What is the exactly? point of your existence <laughs> in your office?
1: I want to apologize to John because I meant this to be more complimentary yeah. of him, and I feel like Mike's coming at him pretty hard. <laughs> I would like to congratulate Pastor Borderland. Yeah. And he will be good. Yeah. Can we be serious? Yeah. John will be good. He um, will be good. In this role. Okay. okay on so just. you missed district convention.
3: Yep. Missed district convention also. Yes. And my. And, because you're in Minnesota. In Minnesota. Okay, yep. And then so
1: what happened after that?
3: So then we come back and we had two days later to close on our new residence um, down in this Milwaukee area. How you like realtor? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yep. The the realtor, we didn't we didn't really work with a realtor, but you're talking about the... the Pastor um,
1: Borland found you in a great house. Yeah, yeah oh, the right, yes. Yeah, it was someone so from the congregation. So this deal was arranged yep. where you didn't even have to go through a realtor right. yep. for worked a house. Right, yeah, worked out wonderfully. One of the, I would say, John has described it as one of the, the elite neighborhoods of, <laughs> of them who on to go.
3: Yes, yes, truly But truly then you, you had a realtor
2: yes. back home, though.
3: No, we didn't. We didn't have. Oh, we you didn't, didn't have to use a realtor, right? There. Didn't have to use a realtor there either. So
0: huh. enchanted.
3: Yeah, it, it was very enchanted. Uh, blessed hashtag blessed, you know, type of situation. So I
1: drove down and I took him some housewarming gifts for. Mostly I took them for Carrie. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, but very I kind of Went to Stempers you. and got some religious items, yeah. and um. And the big debate apparently is. So they have this main floor. And they've got kitchen and they have what can be a dining area. There's like a chandelier yep. and then a um, living area. And Jason wants to put – he really <laughs> does have this barrel. This is the first time I saw it. A huge whiskey barrel. Yeah, live
3: and in charge. He wants
1: to put that there and make that a bar area. With a like chandelier.
3: An interd- it's well,
1: they're going to have to remove the chandelier it's if a, it's there because it's, it's more like of the a chandelier is like dangly light
3: fixture than a true chandelier. So,
1: But, but – uh, so and he wants – well, no, I think I may have suggested – Putting the barrel under the light.
3: Yeah, you could. It'd be perfect. But, um, but this is a... It's, a, it's still un, It's still a point of debate in our household, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you, you debate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a
0: yeah. That's a nice way to put it, Jason. But there is
1: a room. I have a room at Jason's house. Yeah. Um, because then when they were looking, I had insisted that I... I need a room and I'm away. But now it can be our room, Michael, because there's a closet. And in the closet, there's a, like a little sloping thing that then flattens out. And I will offer, um, if we are down at Jason's and we ever want to stay the night or we just got to get away and study, I will sleep on the slanty thing in the in the closet, and no jokes about the closet, mm-hmm. and you can have the bed, Thanks. Um, and it's this very nice room. So Excellent. I'm thinking I'd like to have like a prayer area in there. Maybe we can get, what do you call this, a prayer do or whatever. The, um, maybe it'd be nice to have some books, but we can think about what we would like to And then Elizabeth has the other room. I really think we got the better room than Elizabeth.
3: Elizabeth, Elizabeth wanted the other room because of the closet, but I think that that closet doesn't have a bed. That's right, it doesn't.
1: Okay, so we had Jason. You're moved into your house.
3: Yep. Well, and that was the, and then that was the following week. Is that then we had to come and move, and now we've been in our house one week and almost to the point of settled, but there's still a long ways to go yet. And so
1: Jason made the trek up today. Yes. He went, and we checked out St. Anthony's together, yep. a bilingual mass, uh, Misa in Español. Yeah. It was beautiful church. Have you been in St. Anthony's, Michael? I have not. A lot of uh, the woodwork is, I would say, impressive.
0: Yeah, very. I had to stop him. Two <coughs> copper domes, right? Two small copper domes at St.
2: Anthony's? St. Stans. St. Stans. Is is right. a, um, he was this close to converting.
1: <laughs> I had to really watch him. Yeah. Um, but then I took him to Stempers, and I showed him the consignment area, which you need to go to sometime with us. But we got to walk through together Mm -hmm. and justify each other's purchases Mm -hmm. because there's some stuff I've got my eye on. Well,
3: and there's, frankly, a few pieces that would really do well on the third floor. I mean, for the sake of the department.
1: They Mm -hmm. have some of the incense. What do you call those? The thurbers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think, and I think some of the other guys up here would even be on board with it. Like if we sensed the floor, like we just picked like Wednesday as incense Wednesday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we vested, mm-hmm. and we just went up and down the floor a couple times, chanted something. This would be, I think, a, a solid third floor move on our part.
0: <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I'll look into seeing if that, we can get department funds for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be, I like incense. I'm an incense fan. And maybe maybe we do it on feast days. Mm-hmm. That would be.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: That would be a,
1: If we really want, we can go through all throughout campus. Mm-hmm. They'd be yep. like, Generac we'll nursing it. students are doing their like <laughs> we'll, CPR. <laughs> we'll look into it. Yeah. All right. So that's been, Jason now has been to his office, realizes yes. he doesn't have air conditioning. Yep. And uh, and so maybe he will get that so that when you're back in September, <laughs> um, it's nice and cool in there.
3: Thankful we have the AC in the podcast studio. We do. Yeah. All right.
1: That just took us 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. A lot of enchantment. We'll now make our way to the main topic. that brings us to our main topic, which is absolution. And I think absolution is a word that um, Lutherans hear a lot. Um, And I, when I was in the parish, I would say probably about three years out one time in Bible class, I was starting to catch on that maybe sometimes I was just throwing out words that people didn't really necessarily understand. And so I just said, no one's going to look dumb if you don't know, like be honest with me. And then I said a bunch of theological words, and I just had him say like, Do you feel you're pretty confident? You know what that means or no? And I found out, like, I was using a ton of words that my people didn't always necessarily fully understand. Um, And I think that's probably the case a lot of places. I think also you hear absolution. And sometimes um, you'll hear instead confession. Right in Roman Catholicism, the emphasis is on confession. Or sometimes you'll hear a confession and absolution. Um, but absolution is a very important word um, in Lutheranism and for Luther's theology. And I would say for, for biblical theology, uh, it is behind uh, all of God's relationship with mankind. Now, lest I say more, I'd like to throw it out in which either whichever of you two would like to jump in. Ken, when, when I say absolution, what comes to mind for you or what is it that you think that comes to your mind first is what you think people should know about the word, um, and I'll you can pick who goes first. I don't
0: care. Well, I think it's just the pronouncement of forgiveness, right? This is a declaration of forgiveness, and uh, you know, absolve all the Latin. Um, I forgive. I don't. It's a root release. I can't remember. Mm. Yeah. Release. um You know, a stupid way, a silly way to think about it is, you're absolutely forgiven, right? I mean, that's not the the etymology of the word, but for English, that's that's something I would say to the catechism kids, like make that connection there so um, and really confession absolution probably (coughs) is it's best title right Mm -hmm. I mean it comes can come as penance it can come as confession or absolution and that word penance
1: is what really messed up a lot of people's understanding so
0: all those words actually matter and are a way to to teach what's going on here but um, uh, and when we think about that pronouncement of forgiveness um, I think it's connected both to baptism and the sermon In a lot of ways the sermon you can think about it this way that uh you know it's an extension of confession absolution law and gospel right i mean it's it's really law and gospel um but it's also uh you know uh uh, has a connection to baptism because of a a death and resurrection thing which i'm sure we'll get into a little bit but those are my initial thoughts
3: yeah i think um that bit i I think the big thing that you should take away, I think, is exactly that, that word forgiveness, is that when you hear absolution, think forgiveness. I think um, for a lot of people, most times they, they at least I would say in our circles, maybe associate it with that corporate confession and absolution at the beginning of most worship services, um, because that's just probably the most common way that they're exposed to it and but i think just as um i think mike you mentioned as we were talking in the intro that this was one form of individual confession absolution that's just one form of corporate confession and absolution and um i think that yeah absolution you you find in a lot of different places but i think that's where where maybe when we think of that that's the thing that we think of first, but it sh- certainly shouldn't be the only thing that we think about when we hear that word absolution.
1: Yeah. Now, when we, um, if we're thinking about the history of absolution, um, and especially kind of the right of confession and absolution, maybe if we talk a little bit about the idea, the concept of repentance, right, in the In the Greek, the concept of repentance is expressed with the word metanoia. Um, In the Latin, um, we're going to get the word penance, and the idea of doing penance, right? And this comes into our English language in the church because we sometimes will hear people say someone is penitent or impenitent, right? They're sorry for their sins or not sorry. Um, Do either of you have a sense or thoughts regarding... The important shift or um, difference between uh, the difference between metanoia and due penance um, and what that shift maybe how that obfuscated part of what's at work in in the right of confession and absolution as it develops
3: I think the the Greek word is very much an internal idea, right is that it's something that is taking place um you know inside a person a change of heart type of thing um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that isn't what the latin is saying but i think as that latin phrase um, continues to be used more and then as it maybe gets um, connected to that um, the sacramental system and and penance as a part of that being rolled in there i think It becomes more of an external thing. Um, And that isn't necessarily... Again, the idea that, that there can be external rite and ritual attached to it is not at all a bad thing, but can maybe start to give people the wrong idea of what is really going on
0: here or what this is really about. I think both words taken out of context can be problematic, right? So... You know, both are are talking about the change of the of the life, whether it be internal or external, and those are those are hard. There's a hard there's there's it's hard to draw the line, which you know, right? sure, right? Um, but the yeah. emphasis then, of course, is on the individual changing, right? And that that's probably the prop that's the core problem, right? So pen penance, right? Uh, you know, later on in history, then becomes transactional that's the real medieval problem and so we can blame the word penance and i I think it it could be it's it's ripe for that misunderstanding but metanoia can be pulled out of context and have 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 something just as as heinous right which is now that i have i've made my turn now now i am right with god right and I think it took me a long time, uh, especially with the word repentance, another word that can be problematic. It means, you know, it's root to turn, um, you know, turn from sin to, to righteousness, turn from yourself to God, however you want to put it. Um, I mean, I even had members who would say, well, you have to turn first before you get the forgiveness and like, okay, sure. <laughs> but here's the deal is God does the turning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Right.
0: Yep. So, so that's, that's where really I think the metanoia is obviously is going to be a little bit better, and it understood correctly, repentance is going to be better. Where the shift for me was to say is not to separate repentance from faith, although there are two different concepts, but that repentance is, and we got to be careful here, but is a part of faith in right. the sense that God is the one who is doing the turning.
1: Right and okay. it's that it's repentance in the full sense yeah. apart from faith it's, yeah. it might be contrition yeah. but there can be, there can be worldly and um, godly sorrow or contrition um, faith is what makes contrition more than just sorrow Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and the theology of the cross helps here and Where God's going to do that through suffering and what I perceive as, as awful actually is good Even the suffering to me and to somebody who rejects God may be the same exact from our point of view suffering. We both had cancer. We both lost a loved one. We both, you know, failed at business. But God's working on me in his alien work to do his proper work. I mean, that, that's really the language is the same of confession absolution. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's working on me. And it is internal. That becomes external if we want to go down that road. But it's still God working on me rather than... Because I can be, as you said, I can be sorry for my sins whether I'm a Christian, a Hindu, or an atheist. That that doesn't mean anything. There's
1: whole industries built on
0: guilt. That that doesn't mean anything. What we're after here is godly contrition. A contrition that really has said I have no hope in myself. I have nowhere to go but to turn to God and it's not like I said at one point, well, I think I will turn to God on my own. I'm, i am been, I've despair in myself through the alien work of God that I have nowhere else to go and God turns me, mm-hmm. right? What's the mechanism of him turning me? Well, law and suffering and then gospel, right? right. Yeah. I think, you're hitting on the idea too that in that
3: this whole idea of repentance has you know different different meanings much more narrow and yeah. narrow and precise on, on one area to being very broad and and all encompassing i mean I think sometimes you can talk of con, con uh, excuse me repentance being referring only to what we would call contrition mm-hmm. But it could be well, that
1: said, repent and believe the good news, right? That yeah. Sometimes, it, right? Those two are almost separated out, in the yeah. sense of yeah, yeah, repent yes. is be sad, yep, and, and then I believe, believe the good you, news. But notice yep. they're, they're they're always connected.
3: connected. Yes, yeah. and then the idea that it could be that whole idea of the sorrow over sin, confessing of sin, receiving that announcement of forgiveness, but just kind of talking about that, and then it could also be this idea of You know, the Christian life that then also flows from that, you know, where I, where you'll see that term used pointing to specific or a couple of specific different things along the way. And which makes it confusing too, Mm -hmm. to know, okay, well, when, what, what exactly are we talking about there and making sure that we're, we're clear what, what point we're referring to or what the, if we're reading or something, what the author is
0: referring to. And maybe one point before we go any further, when you hear these commands, repent, it's the same as when he says, believe, or right. it's the same as when he says, be perfect. He gives commands knowing full well that we are, are with our sinful natures, are not able to do this, yeah. right? So whatever he commands, he gives to us in Christ Jesus. So I think it's very helpful to say, oh, well, if God says, repent, then it's on me. Well, he also said be perfect. He also said believe. He also said a heck of a lot of things. He told that, Peter to walk on water. Yeah, that you, you know you cannot do, right? So uh, that, that's, that's the, the, the theology of the cross click, you know, that it's completely up to him. Yeah, go ahead.
1: And this is, this is one of the key um, arguments of bondage of the will when Luther is <laughs> replying to Erasmus. As that Erasmus is going to say, Scripture is full of commands to do things, and Luther says, "Yep, make me a big long list of them, right? Pile them all up." But the but the fact that there's a command doesn't mean that there's an ability to do it, Um, and so that's where the role of the Holy Spirit is so important in what takes place. And maybe to tie this together, when we think of um, the beginning of the Reformation and we mark October thirty first in the Ninety Five Theses. And I've said a number of times, the 95 Theses are not all that Lutheran, right? They're, Luther writes better stuff at that time. But there's some, there's some gems in there. And the way Luther begins it is telling, the very first thesis says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance, right? Repentance is not something in the Christian life that we move beyond until the grave, right? <clears throat> until we're in glory, um because we are both sinner and saint there's never a moment where i'm um where i'm not um living a life of repentance um and that's where i think as as mike said it's so helpful and i think it's one of the most important things that lutheran theology does with the christian life is to recognize that this then is baptismal yeah um that our baptism is not something in the past and this is what roman catholicism does Baptism kind of cleans your slate, your original sins washed away. But now you're going to get marks on that and you have to do something about it. And so confession and absolution becomes a second plank. Mm-hmm. It becomes right something you have to stay up on, especially if you have, God forbid, mortal sin. Lutheranism doesn't see confession and absolution as like, now this is the resource you have because you, you had your baptism. Mm-hmm. And this is why some people like Constantine would push their baptism all the way to their deathbed to really make sure as much was covered as possible. Um, confession and absolution, we would say, is, is reliving your baptism. This is, by the way, why our services, and we're not going to get feisty, but this is why if you actually just say the words in the hymnal rather than Added trying to stuff. like add stuff and make it super more special, when it begins, and we don't say we begin, but the service in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're gathering and we're saying, this is what we are, We're the baptized. Well, what is it to be the baptized? Well, what do we do next in most Lutheran services? We confess and are absolved, right? We do what the baptized do. Um, And so I think sometimes we get the notion that life is like sometimes there's seasons of repentance, and then there's sometimes there's seasons where we're really strong in our Christian life. Sometimes you're never stronger in your Christian life than when you're really in the throes Of repentance.
2: When right? I'm this weak key is strong. Yeah, this
1: is the most Christian thing you can do um, is to confess to your God. And by the way, an individual confession and absolution, that's who you're confessing to. Not to the pastor, but to God. The pastor is just the mask that God has put on for that moment. Um, and then to be forgiven. If I can just briefly, with the due penance as well, the idea of penance. Um, Well, metanoia, this kind of change of mind, can become something that we do think is something we're doing, right? I'm going to have suddenly this big change of mind um, about sin and grace. And this can be dangerous because I can start to think I'm not a Christian because I'm still really attracted to sin. Uh, And this is also a danger of the Christian life. Sometimes the devil um, is going to be most active when you you actually – It's not a sign of your lack of faith, but he's going after your faith precisely because it's active and he can bring new temptation. But we can start to think then, if I I really repented, why haven't I had this change of mind? Why am I still drawn to sin? Well, because you're a sinner, right? And we see this in the apostles again and again in Jesus having to correct them. But the idea of due penance did lend itself even more easily. Now, the Roman church will say the Holy Spirit grants penance, um, but you need cooperation of the Holy Spirit with it. But do penance, as Jerome does with the Vulgate, um, definitely does lend itself to my work. Um, And this is maybe where we can bring out a little bit when we talk about confession and absolution. And here we can talk about in general, but I think also as practiced in pastoral care. Um, So for me growing up, when we would go, at that point they started calling it Sacrament of Reconciliation. I guess that sounds less threatening. (coughs) And... um, you would have, there were three parts we learned. You confess, auricularly into the ear of a priest. Um, the priest speaks word of forgiveness, so there is absolution there. But then the third part was you make satisfaction. Um, and that usually wasn't something too terrible. Um, you know, I and I, so where, where, when I, growing up, when we would go to confession, you could either go behind the screen or you could go sit in the room with the priest and, I always went behind the screen, but he knew who I was. I was an altar boy, like <clears throat> Father John and Joe. They both knew me we, knew well, so they knew it was me. So I never said anything too bad because I'm just that superficial. So I'd be like, oh, I hit my brother. And they'd be like, okay, they forgive me, and I'd be like, three Hail Marys. And now in my twisted sinful thought, I'm like, hitting my brother's only three Hail Marys? Like I can rattle off 90 Hail Marys pretty quick. Like he's catching a beating, right? Um, <laughs> But, um, but that Say the Hail Marys was to make satisfaction. And that's not meant to be a trite thing, although I meant it trite. It's meant to recognize that sin does have consequences, right? Um, sin hurts people. And there's sins where you can help mediate the consequences, and there's sins where you can't. If I murder someone, I can't bring them back to life. I could perhaps try to make some sort of restitution to help those who are left behind. If I steal something, I can. Right, I can take it back. If I've gossiped, I can try to make clear I've spoken lies about this person to try to help restore their reputation. Now, many of us as pastors have had moments where someone has come to us and they've confessed a sin and we've forgiven them, but we've also then talked about uh, this often happens in marriage counseling. Well, now what can we do as a fruit of repentance? Right, And we don't prescribe fruits of repentance. It doesn't work that way. You can't say, here's the apple, the orange. But we do say things flow from faith. Um, but the idea of due penance was connected to um, while Jesus took away the spiritual consequences of our sin and eternity, there's still temporal consequences. And there's truth to the fact that I will never be able to make right all my sins on earth. There's people's reputations that I've wrecked, that they're never going to be wholly restored. There's people who I've lied to that misled them, that... Um, made decisions based on that that right there's all kinds of stuff there's wounds my spouse bears because of words i've spoken and even though i say sorry and she forgives me right i'm sure there's there's still right insecurity there and vice versa um you know that any relationship is going to have these things that happen um my children there's times i've been um i've exasperated them right well so the idea of satisfaction is to take away these temporal consequences and if you don't get them all taken care of before you die, then you end up in purgatory. Oh, it's purgatory, yeah. 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 Now, now, Luther, um, I and don't... And maybe
0: before you go any further, can you just briefly explain, like, the penalty and the guilt? Because this sure. is an understanding when it comes to medieval theology. <laughs> sure.
1: So the good thing about purgatory is if you end up in purgatory, you're not going to hell. Like, you're going to heaven eventually. Mm-hmm. But you're, go- you're there to be purged. It's not, like, a fun hangout. Um... And, it, I mean, it logically it makes sense, right, that there would be this place. It just biblically isn't right, right there. Um, and so once you've done your time in purgatory, which can somewhat be alleviated, so should I die and go to purgatory, and Michael does good works that earn indulgences, and indulgences are supposed to be connected with some act of devotion, he can help me hopefully get out and make
0: my way to heaven. But Jesus has paid for your sins. Mm-hmm. There's just... It's
1: only because of Jesus I'll end up in heaven. Yeah, there's just some... But you can help me get there quicker. There's some guilt
0: here. Yeah. There's there's ramifications for the sin that needs to be taken care of. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so what, I, what I'm, I guess, saying in a long way, and then I want to throw it to you guys to see what you think. Luther does reject purgatory because it's not in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And even a, a good Roman Catholic will admit you, you, you have to go to Maccabees to the Apocrypha the deuterocanonical books to try to even make a little bit of an argument for it. Um, Although it is somewhat early in church history developing. I mean, it's a handful of centuries in and you start to see some thoughts about it. Um, But I don't think Luther gets rid of satisfaction as a necessary part of confession and absolution because of purgatory. I think he does it because of his view of what absolution Mm -hmm. is. Does that, are you tracking me? Yeah. So what I'd like to throw to you guys is um, we don't have make satisfaction, I would say, because of how we've used absolution. You can take that angle or this one. But we do still – it's not as if we say, you know, when you forgave me as we modeled individual confession and absolution. It's not as if now I, as a forgiven child of God who in faith sees and loves his neighbor – that I am now just to go out and to be indifferent to whatever, whatever harm I have caused, if that makes sense, or to continue in it. Go with either plank. I'll throw yeah, it back to you guys.
0: Let me, let me do a couple thoughts, uh, and this is where I think it is helpful to to connect things to baptism. Is first of all, yes, you are doing. Us, yes, you are the one who repents. Yes, you are the one who believes. Yes, you are. Um, but we understand that as you're not you're not doing that because you have some free will, right? God, you're passive in this, right? Uh, the second thing is it's baptism is not again, one plank or gets rid of original sin. Then you have a clean slate. It's, it's, a it's a, it's a identification as much as it is the forgiveness of sins. This is who you are, right? You are a, a person who has been made heir of the kingdom, you are this person, right? So when somebody comes up and and has this uh, you know burden to 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 be released from, right this this guilt. Um, yes, you say, here is the forgiveness of sins, but it's not saying, oh, between your baptism and your confession, you are in this state of not good. Like you were in danger until you got here. That's more transactional, right? And that is
1: um, part of why you will want to go to confession in Roman Catholicism. You're not even supposed, right? You're not supposed to um, receive the Eucharist if you're not in a state of yeah. grace. And they do mean something along those lines with
0: that. And we have some danger there too when being properly prepared. Right, which was when what we went to St.
1: Anthony's yeah. today yeah. and then Jason went up and Received the Eucharist, <laughs> <laughs> and when he came he back, was I was like, yeah. "You weren't even in a yeah. state You're of right. grace; not he hadn't gone to confession."
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, when when someone comes up, it now here is where we could say, "Oh God, just uh, you know, God loves you," and say, "I don't have to give you the forgiveness of sins again, because I'm just reminding you of the state." But God goes one step further and says, "I'm going to make it very clear to you." For that sin you are forgiven. Right? I I give you forgiveness again. I'm not just saying, Oh, um, Jesus died on the cross for you. You're good to go. Although that's a true statement. I'm going to say, I forgive you. So a silly analogy would be like, Do you say to your wife that you love her on your anniversary? Well, no. I will just remind her of the vow that I made 20 years ago. This is ridiculous, right? It's, it's not... So. At once it is, you are forgiven for that specific sins right now. This is a means by which God's grace is delivered. His forgiveness of sins is delivered. Um, but at the same time, it's not like you were not forgiven beforehand, right? So it's it's a careful thing. And then I think w- when you're talking about, like, uh, satisfaction, uh, to be charitable, and maybe I'm being too charitable here, but charity is maybe a virtue. It is a virtue. It's an. Is, <laughs> I, I said maybe it's a it's a virtue and an art that has been lost oh. in the Christian church. Um, to be charitable, you can think about this as pastoral care, right? Uh, if if we were actually, mod, if we could actually, and we would never do this because of the seal of the confession, but if you could actually see a uh, private confession absolution, there would be what we would call pastoral care, right? Um, we understand that I forgive you for, uh, cheating on your husband does not mean that all of the ramifications of that action has just gone away.
1: And it doesn't mean that the danger, this is the other thing, whatever sucked you into that, like that, that still might be mm-hmm. looming. How do you, you know, you want to extricate yourself from mm-hmm. the realm of temptation? Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, spiritual disciplines after that, um, how can we maybe uh, fix this a little bit? How can you steer away from your uh, your temptation? And most importantly, what tools can I give you so that when you do fall back into the sin, you know you are forgiven, right? Because the gospel is finally what is going to change hearts. It can become very, again, because of the transactional nature of the theology, especially of the late medieval church, but also just because the effic- the, the efficiency of of. Handing out pastoral care to a bunch of people who are coming in over and over again in the confessional, you could almost imagine a chart. well, you stole a piece of gum. this is the this and there, is the, there so are chart. books
1: yeah. that have been written, especially in the Middle ages, that so, basically try to do so that, to yeah. be
0: charitable it's it's it was never this kind of thing like in 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 theology, it was never really explicitly said in the Roman Catholic Church, you s- confess your sins then you pay for them, then you get the forgiveness of sins. You no know, confession and right. forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus did, mm-hmm. as always has yep. said, Jesus yep. did pay the price for sins. It, Roman Catholic Church has, has never denied that, right. ever. But there's guilt that needs to be get get rid of or there, there's a ramifications or whatever. So to be charitable what we're talking about here is pastoral care rather than you have to make up for your sin. Now from 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 the point of view of somebody, the laity who does not understand that distinction, or maybe a a pastor or a priest who maybe is not as well versed as he should be into the, to the nuances of this, of this uh, theology, it very much seems like you are paying for your sins. Mm -hmm. You are doing part of the deal. Right. And so that becomes the problem. But once again, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and be a little bit charitable here. And, Notice the history of this so that we don't not throw out confession and absolution or even the pastoral care that comes after that, the right. spiritual disciplines, just because some people mess it up.
1: Yeah, and I would say the one caution I would give, and I, I'm assuming you would offer the same, is when we modeled the right before, um, it does end with the amen. It should be clear when a Lutheran pastor is forgiving mm-hmm. sins an individual confession and absolution that's done. Yep. Pastoral counseling um, and, uh, you know, we talk about spiritual disciplines. How do we? Um, that's a separate thing. And so we, we should be careful never to conflate them. Right after you speak that amen in individual confession and absolution is not the time to shift right to pastoral counseling. Right. This is something, right, to be worked on yep. or discussed in a, a different
0: time or place. And there, there is an art to that. Mm hmm. Now the, that you the, cannot teach, you can only work through in practice.
1: And the penitent, the one confessing, may uh, um, broker that conversation, mm-hmm. and then that's fine. Sure. They're now asking you. But we want to be clear, not to give the impression um, that what we're discussing is making satisfaction, mm-hmm. right. um, but rather, um, here is a place where we can talk about the third use of the law in maybe a helpful way. Yeah. How do we know mortify the flesh that which has led to this and what are the works that would actually be pleasing to God because sometimes we can come up with our own in fact uh, uh, and and sometimes those can make things even worse <clears throat> that can be one of the things that people need to be cognizant of with private confession and absolution too is sometimes you get something off your chest you say it and it's forgiven and you're so excited now you just want to go for instance maybe you've wronged someone but it's not appropriate to go tell that mm-hmm. person you've you would be telling them more for your good than for theirs, if that makes
0: sense. It's, it's, this is something more than a 12 step program,
1: right? We don't want it to become just about us. I would say too, with the word of absolution and you, you got it, Michael, and then I'll, I'll, throw to Jason any thoughts he has, but, um, you know, it's not as if the word of absolution is not an effective doing something thing, right? You are generally forgiven. You, you confess to God, you are forgiven. You are forgiven in preaching. You are forgiven in your baptism. <coughs> But the word of absolution is always effective. It is doing something, just as baptism, preaching, the Lord's Supper does. Um, I would say the value sometimes of um, confessing specifically to your pastor, and that's why when we got in the part on the right, and I just I said, what, impatience mm-hmm. or negligence mm-hmm. and whatever, um, is um, if you take a moment and think of what is the thing— You're most afraid, you would be most afraid to confess, not just to a pastor, but to anyone else. And I would venture that in many places, that's where the devil's most likely to work on you. Either to work on you with guilt that you can't possibly be forgiven, or to work on you that you're afraid to confess it because you still want to harbor that sin, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And uh, that sometimes can be the value of putting that out there, um, maybe Jason. If I um, can throw it to, but I do get nervous when we do a session or an episode like this, um, that we we send people to something which we're not saying you have to do this um, to someone who maybe hasn't done this a lot either. Um, the um, from the side of the the penitent or the person who's confessing. And a penitent can be a pastor. It's very helpful as a pastor. There's times I've just had to tell a brother, like, look, I need to come over and just be absolved. Um, I would go to Jason, but he doesn't even have air conditioning. It's oppressively warm in there. Um, That is true. From the standpoint of the penitent, sometimes there's this fear, especially if you're confessing to someone you know, which you you know your pastor, right? Or um, if I were to go to one of you, you know me. Now, thankfully, I don't think... Either of you have any illusions about, um, you know, my my piety, um, but on the part of the pastor too, there can be this nervousness about the dynamic. That that's a it's a moment of vulnerability, and it can be hard to be with someone who's being very vulnerable. I think that was the hardest part of the ministry for me when I first got started is we're thrust into positions where people are very vulnerable in the hospital or they're dying or their marriage is falling apart or um, their kid just got in big trouble. Um, any thoughts? Either of you have, but maybe Jason first. Um, when the if, if the lay person, the penitent, is nervous about, well, what will the pastor think about me? Should they come confess a sin? Or a pastor is not sure about what's the right way to go into this or, or what should I have in my mind? Is this... Any thoughts that come to mind for you?
3: <clears throat> I I will um, maybe add I, I just kind of going to kind of piggyback on some of the thoughts I think from the previous um, question or two as well. I think with that whole idea of absolution being, I think Luther's understanding of it was, you know, he he's wanting to make sure that nobody comes away from that thinking that there's a, a, an if, a condition, a but, you know, that, that's attached to it. Which is how
1: human forgiveness right, also
3: works. Right, which is kind of what Mike's been saying with the transactional part of, you know, medieval theology and all that other stuff. And, and I think in some ways that maybe informs this second question, too, in that, you know, I mean, if you're a pastor and somebody comes to, you know, um, and whether they, they, and, and in my experience, I, I never had someone say, I need to come and confess this, but then in the course of conversation, that's what comes out. Right. Um, but I think that's the goal, right. Is when it comes to that, when, when someone has confessed a sin, whatever that is, and, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, frankly, you know, can be a shocking thing even, you know the goal, and that is
1: that is something a pastor wants to be careful yeah. for is to not express like, shock or even to express like, "Oh, you've really stoked my interest." Yeah, yeah, you know? right.
3: Yep, like, yeah. How did what? How did that even? Uh, you know, yeah. Um, but that idea of making sure that you you are doing what you you know what you what you, everything that you can to make sure that there that forgiveness is being proclaimed forgiveness is being offered and there is no if there is no but there is no condition there is no hook you know it's just you are forgiven you are absolved in the name of Jesus and I think you know if you're someone looking for that if you're someone who's who is feeling the need for that um, and you know want to you know approach your pastor I think that That's something that, um, you know, you should be (laughs) expecting to find, right? Um, Absolution without condition, right? And again, that doesn't mean, and and again, this kind of goes back to what, you know, each of you guys had mentioned about the um, identity going forward and the baptismal reality that we have and who we are and and all of that. That doesn't mean that, you know... um, that, that doesn't mean changes are in order going forward, but that idea of you should be able to 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 go without fear, knowing that that is what you will receive uh, free, full, complete, you know um all sufficient <laughs> forgiveness because that's the kind of savior that you have, right that there is no no holes, there is no yep. gaps, there's nothing lacking and
1: and in that moment. It's God, God himself, himself hearing and speaking. Too. Yes.
3: Yep. And like I think you had mentioned before, the idea that you know the pastor is serving as only God's mask, right? And you know, speaking, speaking, you know, Jesus speaking through His voice. You know that even for even for this, you are forgiven.
1: Yeah. Mike, what about uh? And I've seen increasingly lately. I think maybe with people's fear over the culture, but how do you know someone's sorry enough to absolve them?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that's, that's a broader question that I'd like to someday address is um, it's a very human thing to want to get our pound of flesh, right? And to make sure that we're always afraid of the gospel. We're afraid that the gospel actually may go to people who do not deserve it. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's, that is, that is, I think, what a terrible thing. And I think that (laughs) we are guilty of that as anybody in, in, in history. Right. And we've talked about this someday talking, having an episode on this, that we just, we think we must control the gospel. Right. And, uh, this does become an issue though, when it comes between corporate and individual absolution, Right. And, and I'm sympathetic to somebody who, because we, we understand the, the proper distinction between law and gospel, that you can do damage if you're just giving gospel to someone who actually doesn't believe that they're sinful, right? Uh, there must be law, right? And so it becomes problematic when you say uh, corporately, I forgive you all your sins, when you haven't really examined somebody mm-hmm. in the back row. Now, from my point of view, what bothered me about corporate absolution was not that thing. Like, I, I'm going to assume that they said the words that there's forgiveness of sins, right? That, that was not a huge issue which for me. Which you do with preaching as well. Which I do with, you know, just about everything. My problem was there's a person back there, and I know this is the case, who said, but that's not for me because the pastor didn't know what I did last night. And because we have the corporate absolution, we don't think that we need to have the private absolution. Now, I don't mean that in to say you have to come to private absolution. It doesn't count if you do corporate. I'm not saying that individually. I'm just saying as a group, we say we don't need that. Well, you have have perhaps closed a door to somebody who needs to confess a specific heinous crime. Or
1: sometimes a sin that's not even a sin. But yeah. somehow in their head it's yeah. just become yeah. huge and I don't know how many fake sins I have absolved yeah. in my life. where are you go and
0: and that's a kind of a, a different a topic that we can address just briefly here is like sometimes you try to talk somebody about out of their guilt, sometimes it's just easier to forgive them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you know what I mean? because even if they were like not wrong in this situation, they're still sinners, and it wasn't pure, right? right. So just forgive them and move on, yeah. right. Instead of trying to talk them, rationally talk them out of their sin. Right. When the solution to sin is so much simpler, and it's right there. So I I think, as a whole, where private absolution we don't need, it's dangerous, it's a relic of the past or whatever. People who say that probably have not done enough pastoral work. I think you're a fool if you're a pastor and you think. That there are not people in your congregation who de- didn't have an abortion, who didn't cheat on their wives, who didn't cheat in business to the point where it actually hurts them. Every one of those people, if their parents have done damage to their children, mm-hmm. every one of them who are, are a spouse have done damage to their to their to their spouse. It it to get to just throw that away as something that is not valuable. I think we do need it. I think we do right. need it. I'm not saying the individual needs to come here in order to get... I'm saying we need it as a group.
1: Well, and that's even, and I think as Jason said, <laughs> that doesn't mean always... You might publish times for individual co- confession and absolution, no one comes. But, um, and I think most pastors would agree with this at least, Um, there's moments that need to become individual confession and absolution. That often happens in counseling, or someone comes, they're, they're talking, they're struggling... Most of us who've been in the parish have had the person who's in our office, and you, it's clear there's a reason they're there, but you're just talking around mm. it. Like, that's when in your mind clicks, like, okay, this is an individual confession absolute moment. And as Mike mentioned, you don't have to use the right that's in the hymnal necessarily. Mm. But that, I forgive you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's a powerful moment. Um, and that's something, and I, I think, I don't think we would have many um, pastors listening who would disagree. That's something that the church never grows out of that's mm-hmm. a very important role of what the what the pastor does
0: and just a couple of things like we're not saying go start looking for sin either
1: in fact so, our confessions say yeah, not to do that we're
0: saying you create an atmosphere you teach it to your catechism students to how to do it you offer times maybe but you create an atmosphere where you go when you when you need this mm-hmm. I will be here. So this that is that people
1: know when they step into your office yeah. that they may well yeah. get an absolution, maybe even an unexpected one. And that was always my favorite when I would just drop an absolution <laughs> on someone.
0: Uh this is what we've been talking about lately is access to the means of grace. You can find all sorts of historical whatever and create all of these barriers to the gospel that we can't do it. We can't do it. We just can't do it. We can't we can't just give Jesus out enough, right? This is the same thing that we've been talking about that you create an atmosphere <coughs> where there are no barriers to the word baptism holy communion and absolution I'm not I understand pearls before swine right but we manufacture things and and you can you can be on your high horse all you want but the truth of the matter is that we Flawed human beings just don't always trust the gospel. Right,
1: and the the swine are not people who are coming to you. Yeah. and you're not. They're gonna, not people who are still letting you be their pastor. the The moment the swine are those who, like when Jesus says, "Shake the dust off your mm-hmm. feet," who will not receive mm-hmm. you. Um, those wrestling with sin. Those are those are sheep.
0: And. and Giving access, more access to the means of grace, you're not producing swine, right? We we feel like, we, well, they'll get used to it or whatever. Now, I understand that you're not going to be, there's times and places you're not going to be annoying. You're not going to just knock on every door of your member and say, I, I absolve you, I absolve you. Right. Like You don't take a hose. Or what sin
1: is troubling you, you most? Don't,
0: you don't hose, take a hose and baptize people walking down the street. I mean, these, you know, this is... <laughs> Should I not be? the not. We're talking about the normal way. Here we have a weekly pattern. Here we have, uh, you know, a pattern of education. Here we have a pattern of pastoral care. It's not 24 seven, right? We understand vocation. We understand being out in the world, but we talk ourselves into barriers. And one of those barriers is we'll, we'll make swine if we give it too often. Right. I let's be honest. I just, and this is, oh, is he about to get feisty? No. Oh, people Mike, get. Let's
1: not get too feisty.
0: Every time I say I think the means of grace should be offered more than it is right now to the historic norm, for the sake of people going to heaven, there will always be people who will say no, and and I will counter and I will say, I'm not sure you quite understand what's going on. And then they go, how dare you? And then they go into self-justification mode. We are sinner saints. You cannot tell me that you don't have these flaws, right? And sometimes arguing with people is like arguing with somebody who is, has this bad combination of ignorance and arrogance. We're okay with you being arrogant. Back it up. We're okay with you being ignorant. But the lethal combination of arrogance and ignorance—man, that's a bad, bad combo, yes. right? To think that you and have no—and we do—and no, we do—to do. think that you have no room for growth. To think that maybe we have not been perfect. Even, even Lutherans in America, which we would all agree are the closest. Thing to perfection when it comes to the church in the history of the the church. Besides, like the first like thirty days after Pentecost, then it went to crap right after that. We obviously then it
1: became all Catholic. Then Luther came and it was good for. I'm not. I am
0: not disagreeing that that synodical conference Lutherans in America are as perfect as you're going to get a church in the history of the church until kingdom come. I I understand understand that, (laughs) but But I still think that we are sinners. And uh that could still grow a little bit, and maybe maybe just maybe we don't really appreciate the gospel like we should. <laughs> I think you should go back and do the um private confession
3: absolution again, allow Wade to confess his arrogant ignorance and
1: yeah, I will say as we wrap up, um something that I think um animated Luther's reformation um and something that made. Jesus, such a powerful figure in his day, besides of course being God and the Savior, was they were both figures who spoke the forgiveness of sins wantonly. Um, they both came into it a day and an age in a place that was thinking in legal transactional terms, um and just absolved. And Jesus absolves very public sinners very intentionally, very often.
0: Um, To a chorus of, you can't do that. Right.
1: And I think this is what, when we're at our best in Lutheranism, I would say Protestantism, but specifically Lutheranism, is when we also realize that it's absolution that animates the church. And not just individual. But what is behind your preaching when it's at its best is absolution. Your preaching is absolving. When you are giving the Lord's Supper, you're absolving that, that bread and wine are coming with the body and blood of Christ, which absolve. Baptism, literally, if you think of what a solvent is, ab, away from, solvent, right, to clean. I usually tell students to think of Windex. Baptism, you are literally washing that person clean. <coughs> The end goal of everything the church does is absolution. The church needs to speak and preach law. This is a necessary thing because the absolution seems um, meaningless. Without it, it just becomes affirmation, which is not, Jesus did not die to affirm us. Um, but the end goal, and this is, this is the true joy of ministry, this is the, the true privilege, is absolution. And to remember that Absolution is always a word. It's always spoken. Now, that love that animates the absolution can be shown in a number of ways as well. These fruits, right, that that can be shown. But behind it at the end of the day is a spoken word, which is how God began his relationship with mankind. And it will be how our life here ends when when God speaks our name. And we are... (coughs) called to glory, hopefully, um, with a priest, or not a priesthood, uh, we shouldn't have gone to St. Anthony's, with a pastor um, absolving and communing us, right, if God grants us that that sort of death. Um, I hope I'm granted a deathbed if, if God is so kind, right? Um, but that this absolution animates. Um, and any opportunity we get to give it is great. I had us begin Modeling it because I think a lot of people are unsure what goes in an individual confession and absolution. That that took us, I think, two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> this is not an elaborate thing, um, and it's something that can really lift. Sometimes people are going to; they're going to eventually go to someone or something or some place. When overcome by guilt Whether it be a bottle Or a therapist I'd recommend the therapist over the bottle Whether it be The friend who shares that sin And will only further lead them down the road Of danger Or to the legalist who is going to just Shame them What a wonderful thing That the church can be the place Hopefully where people know they can go And that's I think what We talked about the pastor's office last time um, and if I can tie in a little bit with what Mike was saying, to have that office be a place where people know they can get an absolution and not necessarily, once again, that they're going in and saying, can we do page 282? Maybe they're coming in and they talk about the Cardinals and the Brewers, but they know that if they kind of linger around long enough, um, that that there's a chance of an absolution, right? That, um... That that relationship can be built. And I would say the relationships when I left the parish that were the strongest, where a member truly was going to miss me. It wasn't all of them, right? And where I, you know, would tear up just thinking of that member was the ones who had unburdened themselves in God's presence and mine. And the ones to whom I had had the privilege then to speak grace and absolution. Not a single one of those members did I ever have in the forefront of my mind the sin that they had confessed. And none of them became less beloved by me because of whatever they confessed. If anything, um, they became some of my most beloved members because they trusted me to do the most Christian thing you can do. That is, for them to confess and me to speak the word of forgiveness. So if you're listening and you find yourself, and you can think of that sin that I mentioned before that's in the back of your mind, the one you'd be most ashamed to speak, or you just, maybe you've, you've been away from church and you're nervous about getting back because what will people think? Um, or maybe you've just, you kind of been in a malaise and it'd be good just to, you know God forgives you, but it'd be good to hear it. Um, I I hope uh, you will, um, at some point, trust God's called servants enough, put yourself in their hands, and um, and and go and receive that absolution, and and pastors give it to them, um, and uh, it don't you don't gotta fix it. It's not advice time all the time for for um, pastoral counsel may come. Uh, And then rejoice that God puts that word in my mouth. I always, whenever I would hear someone confess, I always thought of my own sins, right? And that, just to remind me, my own need. Um, And and, and, and your pastor's not going to be sitting there either. Um, He's going to be knowing that that this thing he's giving you is what he needs above all um, as well. I don't know, that was my little sermon, but anything you guys got?
0: You know, absolvo means to, you know, uh, release, loosen. It's free, It's freedom word, right? To be freed from, from the burden that is sin. And so uh, uh, this, is, this is what we're about. And so uh, you're absolved. Go hear it from a pastor and let the bird fly. Goes down Get my party And I begin to cry I don't care What the people are thinking I'm not drunk I'm just a dink I'll set him up
2: Another round I'll
0: set him up Another round I'll set him up Another round One more round Won't get me down